You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior, and uh, I am the host. That makes me Al Melchior. That's uh, who I am. But I am co-hosted today with a frequent uh, guest of the show, Matt Modica. Uh, you can find him here, Fantasy Sports Radio. You can also find him at CTM Baseball. Matt, thank you so much for joining me and joining me live in studio. Yeah, no, this is great, Al. Uh, it's great to hang out with you in Manhattan. It's always a pleasure being on. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's always good to be here uh, in studio. Uh, I'm here for Tout Wars and maybe once or twice uh, the rest of the year, so it's always uh, really fun for me. But, uh, Matt, we've got uh, a, a bit of a different show, and not just because it's Tout Wars weekend, but um, also we've got NFBC drafts going on. Uh, so we, in particular, are going to be uh, taking uh, a look at a, a live NFBC draft that's going on Right now, it's the uh, auction championship going on right here in New York. There's uh, an overall prize of uh, $25,000 with $7,000 for the uh, the top prize. Actually, for this one, this is the $2,500 entry. Sorry. So it's a $20,000 for the league prize. Okay. Uh, Super auction championship, so my apologies. Uh, And thank you, Matt, for uh, for getting me straight on that. So, uh, Matt, uh, you've been doing some uh, NFBC uh, drafts uh, so far? Oh, uh, yeah, I've been uh, pretty much drafting since November 17th. <laughs> so, wow. how, how many have you done? Uh, I've done about eight or nine draft champions. Uh, I've done two or three online champions already. And I'll be doing this specific auction a week from tomorrow out in Las Vegas. All right. Well, so I'm doing uh, a little recon right now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, fair enough. We'll help you and, and uh, hopefully help uh, everybody uh, out there. So... Uh, Let's uh, take our first quick look at the board here. And uh, everybody, it looks like uh, this is 15 teams, of course. Uh, everybody's got at least one player. And it looks like we have a number of teams that have already collected three. You see anything here on the uh, the auction board so far that uh, stands out to you? Uh, what, I, what I do like is uh, Shohei Otani at $9. I think even with 140 innings, if say he say he only pitched that, I, I think what he's going to give you in that 140 innings validates the nine bucks. I mean, as long as you're not paying double digits or like right around there, I, th- I think that's fine. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And um, you know, this is something that I've talked about uh, going back and reviewing uh, the labor auctions or uh, you know, looking at some other drafts. And given you, you made reference to the, the likely uh, innings limit there, and so yeah, it's it's been a little bit of a surprise to me that. Um, Owners in some leagues have been going after Otani as aggressively as they have. So, yeah, that price to me is is perfect. I mean, maybe even a little bit of a bargain. Uh, one I, I did want to point out, Delino DeShields, who is going to get a lot of love this weekend and next week, and I know in NFBC, and I'm sure tomorrow in all the different tout formats. I mean, the fact that he's going to be the leadoff guy is... His manager came out and said, steal 50 bases. To me, he's like a cheaper version of Billy Hamilton this year. Yeah, no, I uh, absolutely agree. I mean, he's going to go for less for, for Hamilton, and I don't know that the upside is really that much less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, what, what, what does Billy Hamilton do for average or OBP? He really doesn't, he really doesn't help you there. Uh, and I, unless the Shields just totally falters, 
He's going to be every day leading off. So, I mean, th- in this league, he went for 15. I think this morning he mm-hmm. went in the uh, 9 a.m. auction for 11 or 13. So. Wow. I still I still like 15 here if you want to get that speed guy because everybody's paying up a little for that. Yeah. Um, well, and that's uh, you know, for for steals. I think that's a that's a pretty nice bargain. Uh, I do want to go over. Uh, and by the way, DeShields has gone to Scott Fleming. So uh, let me just run through who's actually participating in this league. And, and uh, Matt, you know some of these folks, right? Yeah, Scott's uh, he's a veteran. He's a very good player. Okay, so uh, we've got uh, Roy Erickson, Sean Johnson, Dan Satinoff. Michael uh, D. Cavalcante, Ken Sturman, Jason Duponte. Jason's uh, another veteran, another excellent player. All right. Uh, we can go back and take a look at his team in a moment. Michael Wallace, uh, Ante Mike, James Maples, Richard Talley, Dan Semsel, Scott Fleming, who we just mentioned, who got Delante Shields, Mark Srebro, Bobby Brendler, and Michael Edelman. Those are your... Uh, yeah, there's uh, a couple of guys. Dan Sensel, he, he was one of the guys a couple of years back. He was on a, a partnership that took down the overall main event. Uh, Mark Sebro, another uh, very good competitor, veteran of the NFBC since it started. And Michael Edmonds, one of the one of the best two-sport baseball football uh, guys out there in high stakes. Yeah, he's, he's off to a very nice start, I think. He's got uh, Josh Donaldson at 24, Madison Bumgarner at 34. Anthony Rizzo at uh, 28. So I certainly like the, the price for Rizzo a lot. Yeah, those are nice uh, back-of-the-baseball card players. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Madison Bumgarner has been an uh, uh, interesting pitcher to talk about this uh, spring. I guess we can call it spring now. Uh, this morning. Um, so, um, you know, Bumgarner has been very interesting because, of course, coming off of uh, the dirt bike accident and, and the injury and a not very good 2017 season, how do you feel about uh, that price for him at uh, $34? Hey, look, I think Bumgarner is going to put the 200 innings up this year. Maybe it's not a 3 ERA, even if it's you know 340 or something like that, give or take 330, 350. If he gives you the innings, gives you the strikeouts, in the current climate of uh, starting pitching, I'll sign up for that. I think he's a guy, like I said, the joke I've made is he, he went full country last year and you know on, on, the, on the dirt bike ATV, whatever it was. And I think he kind of rushed back, being that he's like this prideful athlete, and he's a guy that I think has great character and stuff. So I think he kind of rushed himself back. And I'm going to go off of I'm going to give him the mulligan and go off of the previous years. All right, and well, actually, and now I'm reminded. I asked you about this the last time you were on the show, but it's, it's good for reinforcement. Uh, and okay, before you had mentioned uh, Jason Duponte, he says he's uh, one of the the really uh, you know, good experienced players. He's got uh, two players so far. He's got an $18 Zach Greinke and a $28 George Springer. I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, really intrigue or, or controversy around a, a $28 Springer. That seems to be the mm-hmm. sweet spot. But what about Zach Greinke, who uh, may start the year on the DL? I think this actually, if it's only like, say, like the 10-day DL, like say maybe this is a week or two, I'm fine with it. Uh, we, we were kind of fooled by Greinke last year. I had him like when I did my rankings in February, I had him at 20th, and then we saw the, the decrease velo. I dropped him down to 30th. I didn't draft him, and I was I was pretty pissed off, to be honest with you, because it was a guy I liked that I backed away from. And now I think the one thing we did see uh, in the game the other day where he pitched, where he left, he was at least hitting 91, 92. So is he a guy that's older, more cerebral, that takes his time to build himself up during the spring? Uh, if you like, if you believe in the humidor effect. You gotta like him even more, 
And like I said, I, I don't know this the extent of this DL, what it's looking at right now. But if it's only going to be like two weeks, say he misses misses a, you know, a start or two, then I think eighteen dollars is a really good buy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and there's certainly a lot of, uh, you know, like you said, the last year you can look at last year and be optimistic, or you can just say, well, maybe this is a different situation, and maybe this time that the below doesn't bounce back. And you can go back to two years ago where you know Granky didn't have a very good season, and I think at eighteen dollars it's kind of hard to go wrong, mm-hmm. but. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure that I would. I don't know how high would you go for Granky? Uh, I think right now I'm just I, I want to take him. I, I look, I, I I don't like seeing that you know the comments he made and when he was at 85, that's kind of terrifying. Yeah. But I think if it's under twenty dollars, you, you have to be involved. Yeah, well, like I say, at this price, I'd take him. I don't know that I go much above twenty. I could see going yeah, go I, below 20s. I would cap it probably at like 22, 23. Yeah, but- if, if 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 I went that high. Yeah, now, this is coming from, the, I'm talking about me, the, coming from the guy who uh, won David Price last year and <laughs> wasn't too happy with taking that risk. So uh, maybe I'm, I'm a little bit uh, gun shy <laughs> because of that uh, that experience. Uh, I also just do want to mention a little bit later on in the show, we're going to have uh, Andy Saxton on with us. Uh, he's uh, competing in four NFBC auctions this weekend. So uh, glad he's uh, able to... Yeah, disclaimer, me and Andy are partners in a lot of leagues. Uh, okay. Tomorrow we actually will be partnering in the main event, uh, baseball and football. We collaborate on a... I can't even speak now. <laughs> we partner on a lot of teams, and uh, we, have, we have a really good partnership. He, he runs a lot of these auctions in the preseason, uh-huh. like leading up to this weekend. And, uh, you know, he's, he's another veteran baseball and football. All right, well, let's take a little break from uh, the NFBC auctions. We do have a, a couple of pieces... Uh, of news to get to, fortunately, I guess for us, because with Tout Wars here and uh, NFBC, uh, we've got a lot of talk about in the fantasy world, but in real baseball, uh, Eugenio Suarez is, is going to be extended uh, on a seven-year contract. I think the figure was $66 million. Uh, how do you feel uh, about uh, Suarez uh, this year? And I, well, I actually just ask you as a blanket statement, and then I was on, on uh, Fantasy Best Friends Forever earlier, and... Uh, there's an interesting conversation about Suarez. I'll bring that in in a bit. But uh, that was like the him. show you told Sussman he was forty. <laughs> so let's 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 replay that. Awesome, thank you, Matt. I'm, I'm just teasing with you. Uh, look, Suarez. I think he's a safe player. I don't think he's exciting. I don't, a lot of people think like him more than me. I don't mind having him on my roster. I think the thing for me is, you know, if Stencil's playing shortstop in the spring, and the Stencil's going to come up sooner than later. So, if you're drafting Jose Peraza, you either believe Peraza is going to lock down that second base job, or was Scooter Jeanette for real last year? I mean, I think I don't know if he's batting. Whatever, you know, that, I don't think that average is going to yeah. is going to hold. But you know, maybe the power stays. He's in that ballpark, and it's it's kind of a nice short porch for him. Yeah. Well, you know, the interesting that came up, and this this is not an angle that really would have occurred to me. But I mean, I think that currently. Suarez is really being drafted at, at a bargain mm-hmm. price, and you know, to me, he's you know right up there with you know guys like Castellanos earlier. But um, it might have been Frank Stanfield, and I apologize because I don't remember exactly who it was who made the point. It might have been Mike Florio, but uh, you know, they were saying that you know maybe people because of Nick Senzel don't really trust him to maintain the playing time all season. And now with the extension, you definitely have to make that assumption. Yeah, no, he's not getting moved and stuff like that. So if you were in on Suarez, you totally 
feel comfortable locked in here. I think it's the second base thing. You know, uh, if you're going to take that plunge on Peraza, you're believing he's going to win out over Scooter Jeanette. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other uh, piece of news, or at least bigger piece of news, uh, came out this morning is that Jared Eikhoff's going to start the year on the disabled list. So it really kind of throws wide open again a Phillies rotation battle that looked like it was a little more settled when they signed Jake Arrieta. But now, you know, you've got folks like um, Ben Lively, uh, Mark Leiter. Um, I guess Vince Velasquez is probably in that mix and, and can't say that he's locked in. Is there anybody there in that, that mix uh, that intrigues you now? That they're- I mean, Leiter's pitched well this spring. Uh, I was a, I'm a, was a Nick Prevetter guy uh, early on. I was taking shots with him late. Uh, in like reserve rounds, like you know, late twenties and stuff like that. But he hasn't been all that great. Uh, for me, I want all the Aaron Nola I can get. <laughs> he he's the ace of that staff, not Jake Arrieta. Uh, so I mean, with the Phillies, Velasquez is the most interesting guy because of his potential. But does Velasquez ultimately end up as like a bullpen guy? That's that's my concern. I I don't know if he has the durability to take the ball every fifth day. And I think if you only had him in, say, a multi-inning relief role, I think his stuff could play a lot better. Would you trust him versus, say, Nick Pavetta in terms of the full-year outlook? Uh, I would take the shot on Velasquez because he has the greater upside. Yeah. And, you know, he'd be if – it, if it doesn't go well early, I'll just cut bait. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, I'm not sure if this is a more recent bid. I, maybe I just didn't notice it before. But uh, we've got Jose Ramirez going for thirty-one dollars. Um, I gotta go in and, and track and see uh, which team this is. Uh, but while I'm, I'm doing, yeah, that, that's yeah. Look, I mean, for the season he had last year, I mean, he was an MVP candidate and stuff. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with people paying like around thirty dollars for him. He's not a guy that I've drafted, and it's not that I don't like the player in drafts. Where he goes, I'm usually taking a Bryant or a Francisco Lindor over him. I, I'm not saying he's not going to be very good this year. I just don't. I just think it was such a great season. Uh, can he repeat that? I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. There, there definitely is a little more uncertainty there with him than I think with some of the other you know players that are going in that same price range or in the same ADP, uh, and yet. You know, I found myself being pretty comfortable, uh, given that. I mean, it's really last year was sort of a breakout on top of a breakout, you know. So I think even if you're talking about a little bit of regression with Jose Ramirez, I'm comfortable that it's to a place where he's. Oh, yeah. I don't think he's going to crash or anything like yeah. that. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. So the, uh, he went to uh, Anti Mike, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing the name correctly. Uh, so please correct me. Yeah, I forget what it is. I don't know if it's anti anti mensch or something like okay. that. Yeah, I think that uh, might be it. But. He's also got Justin Verlander at thirty one, Joey Votto at thirty three. I, I may be wrong, and I'm just not going to be the Verlander guy. I'm not going to be on him this year. I'm sorry. I, I could be very wrong on it. He's great in the spring and all that. He did look great last year in the spring, but two years in a row. He, I mean, last year the first four months he he was he was bad. I mean, people seem to forget that. I mean, the walks, the, the K per nine was, it was, it was pretty much awful. Those last two months were phenomenal, the playoffs, all that. I think the man is a warrior. I love watching him pitch and all that. But I'm, I'm not going in the uh, Justin Verlander business this year. I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. <laughs> no, that's fair. I'm, I'm totally on that page with you, so I'm glad to have the, the validation because <laughs> I don't completely understand the level of trust. And may, maybe it's just a, it's a relative thing that there are so few – Number one and number two starters that you can really trust that, that you know people are going to take, uh, you know, the latter part of last year, 
the you know, pretty much the entire. And year. they're going to look at the Astros as one of the best teams in baseball. He's going to get the wins, and if he pitches the two hundred innings, he'll get two hundred plus strikeouts. I, I understand that, but he's he's not a guy that I'm going after. All right, fair enough, and I'm avoiding him too. So, on that note, uh, we've got to head to our first break. Uh, so, uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, when we come back, we're going to have Andy Saxton with us. So, do not go anywhere. Uh, we will be right back after uh, after a brief break. You know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. You're joining us on a uh, Tout Wars weekend extravaganza, so thank you for doing so. Uh, Focus of this show is actually more on uh, NFBC. There's some uh, auctions going on here in New York. Uh, Here with Matt Modica. Uh, He and I have been uh, breaking down the Super Auction Championship that's in progress. And now we're also joined by uh, Andy Saxon. And Andy, thank you so much for joining us. As I mentioned in the previous segment, you're doing four NFBC events this weekend? Busy weekend for me, right? Right. So thank you so much for taking <laughs> the, uh, the time to join us here. And you, one of those was uh, this morning, the uh, auction championship, uh, which occurred at 9 Eastern. So how did you feel about that? Start. That's the first thing. Yeah. Um, I, I liked it. We went heavy pitching. Um, I went Max and Thor. So spent 70 dollars on the two of those so um i thought it went pretty well uh yeah that's uh, certainly a, a great start there uh was that uh, a, a part of strategy really to to come away with you know two out of x number top pitchers or that's just two values? really good pitchers yeah. and then i've kind of fallen in love with the war after seeing his uh spring training so far so he's been going up a couple dollars uh, since auctions have started you know, from January till now. Right. So I just decided to jump in. I think it's a one-two punch. It's going to be pretty good in that one. I agree. Uh, yeah, you don't let the Phillies jersey fool you. He's a pseudo-Met fan. All right. <laughs> in fantasy baseball, you can't be a homer. Exactly, no. It's, but the thing like Andy's saying, how he spent, uh, what was it, $74 on two pitchers, and we were talking at the, uh, in the break about how in the in the preseason auctions on the NFBC that Andy was running, the split was sixty three thirty seven. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's, and last year it was sixty seven thirty three. Okay. So pitching is last year so many home runs, right? Yeah. 
and pitching was good pitching was hard to come by. You thought you had a Johnny Cueto as an example that was going to be a really good pitcher for you, and it didn't work out. So the guys that are proven, hey, they're going to have good seasons, that then was guarantees, those are the guys people are going after. Yeah, which makes sense. And that was actually, I was gonna, you, you beat me to my follow-up question, <laughs> which is that, that decrease in spending. I would make the assumption that that's happening beyond maybe the top 20 or so. Uh, so the, the bidding is still robust for those you know, number one, number two, maybe some of the number two uh, starters, and then it's the, the mid-range that's really the, but the bottom's falling out. Exactly, and the thing is, is this is an overall contest. You're trying to win your league, but also all the auction leagues, you have to have good pitching. See, for me, if I don't get, like Andy got the two studs, the, you know, whatever you want to call them, probably like top seven pitchers on most people's rankings, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with loading up on, say, an Aaron Nola, a Garrett Cole, throw in a Paxton or a Carlos Martinez. <laughs> you get like three of those guys and building that foundation. So, I mean, there's more ways to do it. I am a guy that traditionally has been a bit of a pitching whore when it comes to, like, these studs and all that. But this year, like, especially in the drafts, if you pick late in a 15-teamer, there's just so many good bats at the end and then right after that turn. So I've been comfortable with a lot of these guys that are, say, that next tier, that next level. Yeah, well, uh, as an example, in the uh, Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, I waited till the sixth round, and I was on the 15-16. Okay. I waited till sixth round, pick one, to get my first pitcher. And that was definitely not by design. Uh, it was Masahiro Tanaka. So I, I had to sort of plumb that part of the pitching pool that you were just talking about, Matt, Garrett Cole. Uh, mm-hmm. Got him, Lester, and, and well, Well, the thing about Tanaka last season, that second half, I mean, he was... He was elite. Everything was elite. Like the ERA, mm-hmm. if you just looked at it, you know, if you didn't do the deep dive, but all his other stats, yeah, he was FIP reflected. Yeah, better. I mean, he was yeah. he was elite on many levels. I mean, the home run ball is always going to be a bit of a problem for him. Yeah, that's something he's going to have to, you know, you, you you know that going in. But I think he's a much better pitcher than what he showed last year. Um, so you know, we're we're talking about uh, you know a elite and near elite group of pitchers that are gaining love uh, from you know people who are bidding and, and uh, drafting. Uh, Andy, where would you draw that line roughly? I mean, is it a top 20, a 25, 30, 35? Is there a particular pitcher where you say, this is the last guy I, I can possibly target before I'm going to, you know, really stop spending money? Yeah, I mean, it's top 25, I'd say, probably. Um, you know, I, I try to get at least two guys that are $20 or more. Hmm. After that, you're starting to look in the $15 range. And then I like some bargains at the end as well. So following up on that, who are some of the 15 15- dollar type pitchers that you really like Jake Arrieta actually could be one um, for sure Castillo is somebody that he might go a little more than 15 but he's like a hot name right now as well Rich Hill Alex Wood you got some injury concerns with those but those are guys that can give you good numbers as well especially strikeouts well and this is this is the trade-off right Mm -hmm. so you just mentioned a bunch of guys who all have the probably the best upside within that group but also considerable risk whether it's Hill and Wood with injuries or Castillo is just inexperienced. Yeah, I mean, coming into the draft season, I thought I was going to be the anti-Louis Castillo guy. And I, I just found every time you did the deep dive, you're trying to find, you know, what, what not to like about him and the transformation that he made when he came up to the majors and how, how important that changeup was. Mm-hmm. And what he was able to do with that. Okay, it's, just, it's great American uh, ballpark, small park, whatever people like to call it. But I, I'm with you on Castillo. Rich Hill doesn't get enough credit for I Look, I, I know he's a risky guy. But if you can get him in 
replacement value. Mm-hmm. I mean, the strikeout percentage was pretty much 33% that second half. I mean, what he does, it's he's in Chavez Ravine. It's the Dodgers, one of the best teams in baseball. You have one of the best framers in baseball catching him. So, it, like you're saying, it, you're banking on 135 or, 130 or so innings. But if it's peak innings, you know, uh, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. And you're not paying a fifth-round price for him and stuff. And in, like, a draft, it's more like that eighth round, maybe ninth round in a 15-teamer. I, I think if you have a foundation, he's a guy you can take a shot on. Well, you know, you, you both have made some reference to the fact that in NFBC, you're not just playing for your league's prize. You're playing for the overall. So there's, I think, some incentive there to go after the Rich mm-hmm. Hill types, take the risk that's there. Is there any incentive to go after a Sonny Gray in, in that kind of format? I mean, if you're cheap enough, anybody, you might come Good in point, not liking yeah. a guy, but if, the, if it's half the price of what I thought he was going to be, then you just take a shot. Yeah, I mean, at, 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 at a certain price, everybody's uh, <laughs> attractive. But I tweeted out a week or two ago, I would draft John Gray over Sonny Gray every day. Rhymes, most little, importantly. It's a little like uh, Limerick. <laughs> <laughs> and how about the, I think you said, $5 uh, level pitcher? Yeah, Lance Lynn is somebody I like a lot. Um, Jay Happ, that might even be three or four dollars. I think Jay Happ is one of the most underrated pitchers. Look, he's, he's never going to be like your, but for one of your back end of the rotation guys, I, I think Happ just gets criminally underrated every year. Um, now, you, you know, both of those guys really strike me as sort of safety types, and so they maybe do come a little cheaper in NFPC. And that's certainly good value. But um, are th- is there anybody that's more of an upside play uh, at that at that price point? Today I got actually wasn't even in the auction in the reserve round. You'll like this, Matt. AJ Puck I got there. Yeah, I, I want one of Puck or Walker Bueller. You, you, you can't have both, but mm-hmm. I want to walk away with one of those. Two. I did today. Oh, did you? Yeah, look at you. I guess I'm wrong. See, proven wrong. One in the you. auction for like a dollar and one in the reserve round. Yeah, and I mean with Puck, there's clearly opportunity. I mean, he's the best pitcher in, yeah. on, that, on that team. <laughs> you know, Bueller obviously. Uh, you figure he's going to force his way into that. Dodgers rotation, but it, at, at whose expense? Yeah, but even if he doesn't force himself in, you got to figure, like we talked about, Rich Hill only giving you 130 so in. Alex Wood, you got Hinjin Ryu. These guys have you know, no track record of pitching 150 innings. Like, you know. So I, I think by hook or crook, he's getting, in that, uh, he's getting in that rotation. And it was pretty impressive when you watched, uh, was it last Saturday night? When he struck out like five of uh, struck out like five guys in two innings, and even when he missed, I mean, he was getting guys to swing and miss, but he was missing his, and he was like getting mad at himself. So I mean, look, that's pretty impressive for a young guy to have yeah. that kind of. Uh, it goes back to the upside. You have to get upside in the overalls to win. Yeah, uh, so, you know, Puck has definitely been impressive this spring. You figure, you know, it's just a matter of probably weeks before he's in the in the A's rotation. But you know, there's so much less. There are some less heralded players who have. Uh, done well in spring, and as I've said repeatedly over the last few weeks, I don't pay a lot of attention to spring stats, or at least give I pay attention, mm-hmm. but I don't give a whole lot of weight, unless it's a, a sort of thing where it, it forces somebody into a, a prominent role. And for me, I'm starting to pay attention to what Rob Whalen is doing because there's opportunity that they were with the Mariners. He's got some interesting minor league numbers. Uh, you know, they're not going to blow you away, but looks like there's there's some promise there for maybe at least a decent strikeout. Uh, is there anybody, either him in particular or anybody else, who um, is maybe on your radar now? It doesn't just have to be pitching. 
you get mad on the show, and, and we're going to talk pitching day and night. <laughs> but, you know, anybody in general who's made an impression on you this spring, and, and, and it's, they've been a real riser for you. I don't think he has a, uh, a definite role yet, but Amir Garrett has been very good with the Reds. Yeah. Uh, so I think he's going to come into play at some point. And the guy I got today in the auction, Scott Kingery, is going to come up maybe two weeks into the season at some point for sure. And I think he's going to just put up numbers right away. Yeah, I got Kingery everywhere in these draft champion leagues. Yeah. And you, you, I saw it on Twitter the other day, too. There was a so I was John Morosi or somebody was talking to one of the scouts, like, who's been the most impressive person you've seen here? And you, you hear it from everybody. It, it's Kingery. I think they want to put, they want him on this team somehow, some way. That's why I really never understood the Carlos Santana signing. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not a good fit for him in that park and stuff like that, but you, you took off uh, Hoskins from first base. I mean, with their team structure, I don't know if that was the best move, but I mean, who knows? I, I think he's going to do well there. I just thought maybe that 60 million they could have spent elsewhere. Move and uh, you know, for somebody. You know, who likes Nick Williams or likes Aaron Altair? Talked about him mm-hmm. uh, on a show recently where, I mean, he's getting drafted. Very, he's getting drafted in 12 team mixed leagues, even though it looks like, as it stands right now, he'd be a platoon player and the lesser half of the platoon with Nick Williams. So it's not really a great situation for either of them. It seems like either of those players with a full time role could really go to town. Um, but uh, Kingery came up on the fancy BFFs earlier today. I was on the show, uh, as you. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm maybe more skeptical the most about Kingery. How, how do you see, I mean, there's two elements to this. One, is he going to perform given the chance? And secondly, how does he get that chance? What's the path? Is it related more to Michael Franco or, or Cesar Hernandez? Or, or something? I think it's Cesar Hernandez's job that he's going to take at some point. They also have a short bench. They go four-man bench. So they like to rotate guys. So... He might get 300, 350 at-bats just from that. Aaron Altair is in the same boat because yeah. he can play all three outfield positions. Yeah, I mean, I would assume it's Hernandez, but, I mean, Hernandez, I'm not a Cesar Hernandez guy, but he has put up nice numbers. Franco's really got to produce here. I, I think, you know, I still think he can. I'm not saying he's going to be great, but look, I mean, even even in a terrible year last year, he, he put up some decent numbers uh, in that second half he came back. So one of the, those two guys are really going to have to produce early. The thing with Kingery, if he comes up, I mean, for fantasy alone, the speed is real. So he's got the speed, and you put pop. To, to me, everybody in the majors can hit 20 home runs now. Anytime I see Elvis Andrews hit 25 home runs, that means anybody could hit, could hit 20. At least you didn't go, you know, I was going to say you didn't go with Merrifield. But, you know, since, since you brought it up, uh, I've been using Andrews as uh, – you know, sort of my example, anytime I want to talk about, uh, you know, player people don't have faith in. And people and, and people are willing to give, say, Whit Merrifield, just as another example, seem to give him a lot of latitude um, in terms of what they're willing to spend for him and, and buying into last year. Um, so I, I think, you know, you're, you're pretty clear, like, Elvis Andrews is just not your... No, I, I like Elvis Andrews, especially for fanning. I like him as a player. I don't want to pay this year's price. You know, when, you know, the previous years, I thought he was priced fine. I, I mean, does the home runs, I don't know if he's getting hit in 20 again. I, the question I'm a little I'm curious about is I, I've heard, I don't know how true this is, but if the balls run out at the All-Star break, like they did in 2015, and we got these new balls, and the home runs are flying out, does MLB try and curb the home run? I don't think that they do it. I think they kind of enjoy this. They, they want the offense as a purist. I hope they 
do do something with the ball because I think it's a little it, it gets obscene when the, everybody's hitting home runs and you know it, it is adding to people's you know guys that were hitting warning tracks or hitting these balls going over the fence now. So I, the thing about Merrifield is I don't see him not having playing time. I mean this team is bad; they're rebuilding, and he's going to get the at bats. I mean people. The, the stolen bases were great last year. He helped me win my AL only in the NFBC. But the thing was, in September, he had 14 stolen base attempts. He stole. Eight, he was he was successful eight times. So that's not a good success rate. And it's only one month. It's a small sample. But I just think he's going to get the at-bats. Even if it's not second base and they want to put Mondesi, whatever he's calling himself now, Edberto. Edberto, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but even maybe even outfield, they could put Merrifield as well. They could move him around. So there's just not much on that team where he's not going to play. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you sort of glossed by it, but the fact that you said, you know, that you got the steals from him, I, I think that's also the difference maker for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, well, I realize we sort of, you know, hijacked the conversation early and, and steered it towards pitching. Um, but uh, what, what are some of the hitter buys that you've liked so far? Ozzy Albies I'm big on this year, talking about speed. I think we'll get some there. Um, I like Lindor a lot this year. I think with the, you know, he compares a lot to Correa. People are always like, which one do I take? But you get a little more speed out of that. So uh, Manny, Manny Margot I like a lot as well. All right. Let, let me ask you about that, too, because um, – what is it in particular? Because I went on a whole spiel and rant uh, one or two shows ago trying to figure out why he's ranking up where he is in terms of, of ADP. Um, I wish I was better prepared and top of mind could tell you some of the players. Well, like Kevin Kiermeyer, for example. He's going mm-hmm. way ahead of Kevin Kiermeyer. I'm, I'm not really expecting different numbers uh, from Margot. There are some other element there that I should be looking at. If he's healthy, I think he's... What is it, like a 17-17? I mean, could he be a 20-20 maybe? Perhaps. I mean, I like Kiermaier as well. Yeah. I mean, I love Kiermaier. I just don't know. He just, you know, I, and I love watching him play, but he's he's always hurt. He's a guy I always draft, but you don't have him for like two or three months of the season. He's running into a wall. I mean, it's part of his game. You, right. you don't want people to change. The thing with Margot is I think we saw the batted ball profile. We, we, we saw maturity, if you want to use that word, in the second half. And I think he can be a fifteen thirty guy. All right, yeah, and you know, and you met, you mentioned twenty twenty Andy. I mean, those guys don't grow on trees. You know, only so nine of them. Not year. easy to find. So that that's you know, I'm sure that's a big part of the appeal. Well, Andy, thank you so much again for taking the time out of your extremely busy weekend for joining us. Uh, we will be back, Matt and I, uh, right after the break. So don't go anywhere. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Fancy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior, and I've been uh, joined by Matt Modica for this whole show, uh, getting our uh, pitching on. 
<laughs> last segment. <laughs> Fun Friday. Uh, sure, we'll do it. Do it more. And now uh, also being joined by Peter Kreutzer. Uh, so uh, over the break, I was uh, asking Peter exactly how to. I know he's one of the the leaders of Tout Wars, uh, but uh, he's he's one of the people who makes it happen every year. Takes care of uh, a lot of what needs to be taken care of, and uh, big uh, just a big icon in the industry. So Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Hey. <laughs> so uh, we, we can kick this off with a, uh, a big uh, trade announcement. Uh, the Minnesota Twins have acquired Jake Cave from the Yankees uh, for minor league righty Luis Gill. And probably the, the part that's maybe of a little bit more interest to folks is that they've DFA'd, uh, the Twins have DFA'd Kenny Vargas to make room for uh, Jake Cave. I hope I didn't just call him Nick Cave. Okay. I'm, that, that's, I've, that been, be I've been waiting for that to happen. <laughs> So, uh, but anyhow, uh, well, again, uh, Peter, thank, thanks for joining us. And uh, I know it's a huge weekend for you, so I appreciate you uh, taking, taking the time. Um, how's your uh, drafting season going so far? Uh, all right, well, we got, it's got a little bit of a uh, technical issue here that we're going to resolve. Oh, that, that sounds better. And it, it resolved quickly, so. <laughs> um, my, uh, my, week, my drafting is, is uh, I was in that great, the Invitational, the um, drafting in a similar spot, and I took Jake Arietta in the it, it was a very, like, every round the pitchers went, and there were, and there were hitters to take that were better than any of the remaining pitchers. So it just, so it just went, um, it just went on. It, it just, I was kind of surprised. Yeah, but, no, I mean, for me, it was, there was a very specific sequence that led to me waiting until Tanaka, which had to do with, and this is how it goes in drafts and auctions a lot, that uh, you take one, you know, a player that doesn't necessarily fit your preconceived plans, so you have to adjust on fly. So for me, it was taking Chris Bryant with the second pick, foregoing Jose Ramirez and Manny Machado, and thinking, okay, well, there's some pretty good fallback options at second and short. And so I pursued those in, in picks three through five. Was there anything like that for you, or you just, you just didn't like the... Uh, pitching options that were there at the time it was the, the guys going um in the first round i, I was at, at, in the 13th seat and it was i wasn't ready to take a picture with the first pick and yeah. by the, and by the second pick the guys who were you would think to take with the second pick were gone i took chris bryant with that pick and um we had the same draft and then it, it came around and and uh, edwin and carnacion was there and i and nelson cruz on the way back and it was just like I, you know i vowed a bulk up here this is the the other guys like there's ways to fill in with the pitching i mean i'll i'll admit like pitching uh picking at 13th or 14th or whatever even at the turn late in a uh, 15 team draft, it's tough to pass on carlos correa and like chris bryant i started a couple of leagues like that and as much as i love pitching i'm like that's too good of a foundation yeah no absolutely uh um, peter were you happy with the way that you uh filled out the staff over over the course of the draft very happy with the starters um the biggest problem that i have is that i um ended up in a similar situation with the relievers and I, and I, I ran out of relievers <laughs> which isn't good in a in a tournament situation so I'm, I'm gonna have to do some fixing there i have a lot of great great high strikeout closer and waiting types and Hopefully, I'll get lucky with one of them, and I'll be able to trade. Or you know, there's pieces fall from the sky. So, what be I active found, with that. what I found interesting in the uh, the great baseball fantasy invitational was their 
pitching the pitching was going higher than like NFBC mm-hmm. with certain guys and and the NFBC they're always pushing up the pitching so I I when I saw some of the names and their ADP versus NFB, NFBC ADP I was I was quite surprised. Well, I do want to get back to the NFBC because we've got this. Uh uh, auction going in process here. Has Mike Trout not gone yet? We're, and we're over an hour in. I, I don't think so. Let me. Yeah, I don't see it. Refresh. I refreshed about a minute or two here. ago. I'm just blown away by that. But I do not see Trout. Uh, we'll try the trusty Control F. And <laughs> no, he's he's still out there. Uh, pretty incredible. I would have had to throw him out by now. There's not. There's really not been a <laughs> lot of outfielders to come off the board. Um, AJ Pollock went for seventeen dollars. Um, Yana Cespedes, 18. Chris Davis, 18. How do you feel about uh, post-humidor A.J. Pollock and, and the neighborhood uh, he's uh, in? in this particular At $17, I'm, I'm going to buy Pollock. Yeah. I, I'm, maybe it's a, a guy that I can't quit and all that, and I know the humidor might hurt, hurt him, but I think, he's, I think he's a good hitter. He's just he can't stay healthy. He's missed you know, uh, a myriad of games over the last few seasons, but he can hit for average. He can steal bases, and he does have that pop. And even if it takes a little bit of a hit at home as far as the home runs, he's still going to be on the road. Like a guy like Andrew McCutcheon, people forget, he hit, what, 28 home runs last year? Thank he you. hit 19 on the road. Thank you very he's much. He's going to play his road games. He's going to play, you know, uh, nine games this year in cores. So, you know, th- there's going to be times – and before the humidor and stuff, he would have been a, a guy that went for over twenty dollars. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, Pollock. Uh, mm-hmm. And, yes, and I'm so Pollock. glad you made that point about McCutcheon because everybody either kind of draws drops their jaw or rolls their eyes when I say, "Yeah, I don't really expect much of a downgrade." I like that Giants team this year. I, I know it's an older team. I'm not talking about for for the long haul, but when you have say McCutcheon leading off, you got Posey, Evan Longoria. Uh, if Hunter Pence can, you know, be something of what he was and stay healthy, it's just it's a better lineup this year. I mean, and Pose, I really don't like paying up for catchers and stuff. But for where Posey's going this year in that fifth round range or something, the fifteenth hmm. he's pretty much like a right-handed version of uh, Joey Votto with less power. And I think you know having these guys around, they all have I think a little more value than people are giving them. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, I want to go pivot back to pitching. Uh, kind of tuck this question away because, Peter, you were talking about uh, that uh, you ran out of closers to pick from. And, you know, it's uh, we've talked about, uh, you know, adapting to the power uh, hitting environment, but also, you know, we've got the new bullpen environment that uh, starters going shorter. Uh, you've got different bullpen roles. You've got uh, long relievers uh, racking up, you know, in some cases 80-plus innings. Uh, are you targeting, or, or did you target uh, in the uh, Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational uh, any non-closers, and not just uh, necessarily the the closers in waiting, but just uh, I don't even know that I consider Andrew Miller for an example be a closer in waiting. He's just going to be a guy who's going to you know give you a lot of strikeouts and good ratios. Uh, any pitchers like that interesting you? Yeah, I I used I mean I used closer in waiting to mean the guy who's going to be the closer right. if, if the if the closer fails or if he gets hurt. It's not really Andrew Miller is another world entirely. Right. I just think some people may think you know he's going to take over Cody Allen, and I I just don't see it. No, I mean he's he's way too valuable in the role that he, in what he can do setting him up and and uh, and filling those innings and. Uh, and Allen does a great job yeah. closing out the you're game. You're talking so. more about like the Drew Steckenrider types or like an A.J. Minter. Steckenrider, yeah. Steckenrider could be that. I, I, I've i assumed his appeal is to close at some point, but maybe people are just drafting him for the, the, the Ks and the, and the ratios. But, yeah, so 
like that. What do you guys think of, uh, I think it's interesting that the Cubs believed in him. They gave him this three-year deal. He's having a very good spring. Tyler Chatwood. Yeah, a lot of people uh, are asking about him. And I mean, he went for $9 in this auction. Is that a price you'd pay? Uh, I have to say yes, especially since it's 15-team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you, think, you I, would, I think, you I, would think I would. I think okay. I would. I don't think I'd go much beyond that. Yeah, I'd have to cap him out in the single digits. I, I don't know if I can do the double-digit price for him. Yeah. But if, if I... You know, he's, it's, it's intriguing. The first pitch strike is abysmal. I, I will admit that. It really is. So you're trying to look at good and bad when, you, when you're uh, doing the autopsy on players, and that's something. But, look, if the Cubs were willing to commit to this guy, uh, I like him bet more in a draft where I can get him later. But he's another guy that's, you know, the helium's come for him late because now, we, you know, he struck out, like, you know, nine batters the other day. And so... I mean, it's interesting guy on a very good team. I think the Cubs are going to be right up there with everybody else. You've also you've got the the profile. Guys have to adjust to pitching in cores. They have to change their mm-hmm. approach. They have they do things that they'll be the able to break better outside. That of once he's not pitching regularly there, he can he can throw more strikes. He can um, and maybe throw more strikeouts. Which is, uh, I mean, I, when I looked at him, I did my autopsy. Mm-hmm. I said. You know, I, he's clearly he can pitch, but he's like he seems he profiles like one of these guys who knows how to pitch until they don't know how to pitch, and then the, the wheels come off. The, the Tanner Rourke mm-hmm. type of, you know, they're great when they're on, but when something goes wrong, they just don't have enough to to get it to keep it going. And but we'll see. Yeah, um, I want to uh, bring up more of a strategic question here. I'd ideally like to do this with Fred Zinke because he's the one who brought it up on Twitter got quite a bit of a, a attention for doing it and, and definitely got my attention because I've been really preaching a uh, tears-based strategy. Uh, I really believe in it. I use it uh, every time. And, uh, you know, he, he said something to the effect of it's it's one of the worst pieces of advice that is an industry we give. Um, so to what degree up here do you rely on a, a tiered-based approach for your, your auctions and drafts and why, and why or why not? I don't use any tier um, setup, but I, psychologically, I think it's easy to look at there being tiers. And and so when I'm, so I, I have a price list. I rank the players and I and I give them all a dollar value that is the price that I think they're going to go for. And when guys go for less than that, I'm I usually stay in in there when they're up until they get close to that that price list that price. But um, but tiering happens because you end up with a, a rich group of people at the top of third base or you end up with a weak mid week in the teens at third base i mean that, that those are kind of typical things and, mm-hmm. and so you have to be aware of that otherwise you're going to end up all of a sudden be taking you know some terrible terrible guy at a power position because he's because he's the last guy yeah. available well I, I think peter should have right. psychologically you have tears in your mind anyway totally. even if you don't write it down on paper like you're going to look at the big four whatever you want to say or if you want to stretch it out with a bum gardener throw a Schausberg in there and then you're going to say out of this next group say it was Degrom, carrasco severino like those type of guys that's maybe your your next group if, if it's that that's your next tier i i don't have a problem with tears it's if you're if you, if you do your tears if you, if you create incorrect tiers, then you're really going to have a problem. But if you have, because you're going to have it in your mind anyway. The guys you're going to hold to a higher esteem, as you say, like the stud third basemen, and then the drop, there's going to be drop-offs at all positions. 
Yeah, I, you know, it just it, it grabbed me, and I did want to talk about it because it's for for me, it's it's indispensable. And granted, it's you're you're I use tiers, and I think most people do. You know, within the context of other information, so you know, you have to have prices. Um, for me, that really drives the tiers because I'm looking for bunchiness in the prices. I want you know to look at players that are roughly interchangeable to you know lump them together in tiers. And then there's a risk element too, so that you you might have a tier that looks really full, but you know you might have let's say Let's let, in fact, let's go with like uh, third tier pitchers, because uh, you know it's a, it's a in my at least in my thinking it's a very big tier, but everybody's got some sort of considerable level of risk. Um, so it's not necessarily uh, you know that oh, you, you get this bounty of you know surefire number two high end number three starters to pick from. You know it might be you know six feast or famine types and one or two you know that you feel. That's the, that's the group of pitchers that is absolutely the most dangerous because they're fully priced generally. They're like nobody's pushing them farther because there's some there's some element of risk that makes you say, hmm, I don't know about that. And um, and those are the guys when they don't perform lose you a lot of they can lose you sixteen eighteen dollars and uh, and the chances of them busting out and, and earning thirty plus dollars isn't that great. Right. So you you're you're paying for the close to their top value at that point. If you get it, that you know you need to have guys like that. But it's but they're um, just as a, as a tier, they're very. I, I think they're the most risky. That's the one I try to stay away from. Okay, well that just was that was gonna be my follow up question. So how do you actually deal with them? You, do you just you know again you might see seven or eight pitchers there that fit that that range and just say nah no thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. I, I I in the. Only roto leagues that I play. I, I mean, I go for a stud, and then I fill out with cheap pitchers, cheap, cheap starters, because um, you can you can make up for the bad starters by getting rid of them. The guys who get off to a bad start, you can um, use middle relievers in a in four by four easily, and in five by five you can do it too, and you can improve the the quality of your whole staff without getting involved with spending you know close to twenty bucks for a guy who might flame out or you know a cranky let's say who um i mean i guess he looked better the other day but he's yeah. like there's all sorts of warnings there with, with yeah yeah i think for me it's more about how my rotation construction's going how do i start off if, say somebody fell to me and i didn't go with the pitcher or if, if i committed to a pitcher in the first round and then it's just about numbers like i know a lot of people like samarja i'm not really the biggest jeff samarja guy but i know what jeff samarja is going to give me so as long as it's not a 450 ERA, if it's a high threes or a four ERA, and I'm going to get that 200 innings, 200 strikeouts, th- that's got that's got a lot of value. That's got something where you can take a Samarja, and if you have a rich hill, say, that's a guy you can gamble on a hill, and you have the innings from Samarja. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's pretty much, I, I don't try to lock myself in on anything, because you never know how it's going to break in the beginning. But, you know, you always want to have that at least that one stud. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think preferably two, but obviously there's yeah, I'm with you on only that. so much money or so many picks uh, to go around. I think we've only got about a, a minute left here. So, um, Peter, uh, what, what do you have on your plate uh, after this weekend? You got more more drafts coming up? or you, you know? Got more drafts. Got more drafts. The, my uh, home league, the American Dream League, is, uh, is, on, is what used to be opening day, which April 1st, but is now gonna, we're going to be in three games into the season, which is going to be weird. Yeah. Um, and um, and I've got an NL league that's two days later, two days after that, and 
Um, so that's my AL and my NL. And uh, so it's a busy it's a busy time. It is. It is. Yeah, for all of us, of course. Yeah. What is it? A Thursday uh, start yes. this year? That's kind of interesting. Usually yeah, we'll, we'll full, full slate. I like it. I think that's that's kind of cool. I like it. Well, Peter Kreutzer, thank you so much for taking the time. Again, on a very busy weekend for you to uh, talk some uh, fancy with us. And, thank you. Uh, Matt Modica, thank you so much for it's always uh, a pleasure, Al, anytime. hour here on the Fancy Baseball Hour. And thank you all for uh, joining me. Uh, tomorrow is Tout Wars. Uh, all the auctions taking place tomorrow. So uh, we'll be uh, coming back with more and more analysis. See you on the other side of it.